So he kept getting closer and closer, but this time I was walking backwards at a pretty steady pace, and I, the uh, the low tone voice was going to a screaming voice, hollering, "Bear, get back, bear, get back!" And he continued to come. From outside, this is the Daily Rally: short stories of resilience in the face of big challenges and unexpected adventures. Today. A cavalier young outdoorsman learns a respect for nature that becomes the focus of his life's work. After this. Some people kind of turn their heads sideways when they hear my voice and hear the first name Kim, and I assure them I'm not a female, that I was named after my grandfather. So my name is actually Kim Delosier. I uh, live in Seymour, Tennessee, probably 20 minutes from Dollywood, probably 30 minutes from Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and so that's kind of in my backyard. And I've lived here basically my entire life on uh, our family farm. I had a big interest in becoming a, a vet, and I recall my dad calling me one, one night and say, hey, hey uh, son, I, I need your help. We have a cow that has a, a prolapsed uterus. When they're trying to calve, they strain so hard that the uterus turns inside out. And it was in January. It was the middle of the night and cold and wet and nasty and muddy and no big uh, training session necessary. You just get behind a cow, start pushing. You push everything back in. And I remember when I pulled my arm back out and I said, there has got to be a better way to make a living than doing this. So the very next day, I went to school at the University of Tennessee, and I literally changed my career over to wildlife and fisheries science from animal science. My first position was actually a wild boar hunter for the government at Great Smoky Mountains National Park. First of all, I really didn't even realize they had that program and was really surprised I would even pay someone to do it. And I kept thinking, well, why are you trying to get rid of them or, or reduce the population? The guy that I talked to, he said, basically, it's because they're exotic. The National Park really protects native species, and we try to get rid of, of uh, non-native species. Uh, they moved into the park in late 40s, early 50s. And, uh, you know, the, the mountains are a tough place to make a living. And so your native species like bear and deer and squirrels and things like that, they rely on one of the most important food sources, which the fall foods, and the fall food is acorns from oak trees. And when you bring a whole population of, of wild pigs or wild boar into, they eat a tremendous amount of uh, food that would be for your native species. I had not really done a lot of backpacking, camping, uh, but that quickly changed. The job basically was carrying your backpack up into five to 10 miles in the backcountry, having a little camp there where you had some supplies, and then you basically look for wild boar in the late afternoon, evening, and nighttime period. I remember on, on one of the trips, we hiked there, uh, six miles or so up to our, our base camp, dropped everything off, then started walking the Appalachian Trail, and no sound, no sound of airplanes or cars or anything like that. The only thing you could hear was the wind blowing, rustling the trees and stuff too, almost to the point to where your ears would hurt, if that makes any sense, because 
there's very few times we're in a situation where we hear no sound at all. I realize too this is something pretty special that uh, that uh, I, I got to experience. It didn't take me very long to understand or know that this was something that I planned to do, I wanted to do for a long time. I mean, I, I was pretty naive. And so every day was a, a classroom for me. It was a lesson to be learned too. One time we were hunting by ourselves. And I remember it was very quiet and uh, you could hear a few birds chirping and, and you're listening and, and all of a sudden you see a white-tailed deer run across the trail. And you thought, well, that's that's pretty neat. And I could see something coming through the vegetation. And then I could see the top of a black head coming through. And it turned out to be a pretty large-sized black bear. I, I thought to myself, I know how to handle animals. So I thought, well, I'll have a little fun with him. So I did a deer alarm sound, which is a blowing sound. The <laughs> And... Uh, it tells you that these deer are afraid and they're running away. Well, I did that to the bear, and that's when he made a beeline towards me. And when he uh, kept on coming, I kept talking to the bear in a low tone, saying, I'm sorry, I, I didn't really mean to do that. And so just that's close enough. Please don't come any closer. We used 12-gauge uh, shotguns in the park at that time to kill wild pigs with, and so I had that with me. And I knew, I said, I, I'm not going to shoot a bear. He's not going to get very close. Well, when he finally hit the trail, I think I remember looking for its teeth more than anything else and looking at the size of its legs were, to me, it looked like power poles. But I guess I probably went into a, a semi-comatose condition where I didn't know what I was looking at or what I was saying or what I was doing. I just wanted that bear to get away from me. And uh, he kept on getting closer. By the time my speech had elevated to where I was screaming, and I was waving my arms and I was kicking the dirt, doing everything, trying to get this animal to stop. And he wasn't stopping. When he got about seven or eight feet from me, I took my 12-gauge shotgun, pointed up in the air and pulled the trigger. Of course, it made a pretty loud sound. That time the bear stopped and he looked at me like he was evaluating me. Didn't scare him very much at all, like I thought it would. And he kind of bobbed his head a couple of times as if he was trying to to sense uh, my smell, and he slowly turned around and walked away. I mean, my knees were knocking, and I was pretty upset. You could probably push me over with a, a feather at that time. I gained a pretty big respect for what these animals can do, and uh, that we, we obviously need to act a certain way in their territory as well. After working over 30 years with the National Park Service, and most of that time as a wildlife biologist, Another big lesson I learned was it's really too dangerous to put a tranquilized bear in the back of a helicopter, but, but that's another story. Currently, I work with Appalachian Bear Rescue, which we rehabilitate orphan and injured cubs and yearlings. And now I spend a lot of time educating other people what their responsibilities are when they visit or live in bear country. Obviously, some People want to get as close as possible. They want to get a picture. They want to throw a cookie or a cracker or a donut or a piece of fried chicken to it, thinking they're helping it when, in fact, they're actually killing it. With bears, their wild behavior is something that's really their survival instinct, and they need that to be able to make it. And when we allow them to get our food and garbage and become food conditioned or habituated to people, 
I mean, it puts their life in jeopardy and they're probably not going to live near as long. Let the bear, you know, be a bear. Kim DeLozier has spent over three decades working as a wildlife biologist at Great Smoky Mountains National Park. He wrote two books about his experiences, Bear in the Backseat 1 and 2. He currently works with bears at Appalachian Bear Rescue, a winner of the 2022 Defender Service Award. Established by Land Rover, these awards recognize the nonprofits doing selfless service for their communities every day. You can learn more about Kim's work at AppalachianBearRescue.com. This story was produced by Sarah Fuskessler. We want to hear your stories. Please nominate the people in your life who found a way to rally. Go to OutsideOnline.com slash Daily Rally, where you can also see photos of many of our guests. The Daily Rally was created for Outside by me, Kat Jaffe, and House of Pod. The executive producer for Outside is Michael Roberts. Additional production and script editing by Marin Larson. Our audio editors are Kevin Seaman and Benny Beausoleil. And our music is composed by Louis Weeks. We appreciate our Outside Plus members who make this show possible. If you're not already a member, you can join us at outsideonline.com slash pod plus. Thank you for listening.